what are, what are we talking about today? I, 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 well, I wanted to talk about the Chinese, the Forbes article, maybe it's the Washington Post article. I want to talk about that one. I'm going to put it in the links right there. Put that there. Oh, we love Forbes articles. There's a long history of those on the yes. show. Yes. Also, <laughs> the writers always tend to be top talent. Top. There's also another one, a U.S. senator basically like tears into um, Microsoft. Yeah. Definitely want to talk about our Minecraft. Minecraft? What? <laughs> Whoa, Mine, remote school. code execution through Minecraft. Oh, oh is it Log4J again? Woo! Log5J? You said Minecraft. I thought you were going to mention a different thing with Minecraft. Oh, no. <laughs> I actually got a uh, blast today from Overt Operator that was uh, pointing out that Russia is using Minecraft for uh, spreading propaganda now. <gasps> no. No. Yes. No. Color what is the world coming to? <laughs> Russia never spreads propaganda. Are you telling me that little Timmy shouldn't be in, uh, you know, the motherland? The motherland for all? What are I you mean, doing? I'm working in the fields, mother. This is my assigned labor. What are you doing? I'm farming for potatoes. What are they for? You know what they're for. Why do you keep growing cabbage? Oh, it's just Timmy's potatoes. <laughs> Timmy figured out how to make vodka in Minecraft. <laughs> oh, so I goodness. was asking people earlier today. Um, we'll ask the rest of the people. What is what movie is that picture from? I can zoom in on it if you'd like. Oh my God, that is Howard the Duck. Okay, you got the Howard the Duck one in Polish, but what's the one in the middle? That's my favorite. Ooh. Is that uh, Howl's Moving Castle? Close, close, damn close, but no. You got to give time for yeah. the viewers. There's a delay. Yeah. <laughs> How to lose a guy in 10 days? <laughs> <laughs> so close, Ralph. Oh I do God. actually, the after credit in, in the after credit scene of that, there is actually an alien that destroys the entire world. You yeah. just have to keep watching after yeah. the credits. Yeah. All the credits through yeah. all the Madeline yeah. Merchant all songs. Yeah. All yeah. So what cartoons, um, like in the 80s, I don't know, for those of you that were around in the 80s, uh, like completely and utterly messed with your head? Like HBO for me, I remember Wizard was one of them. Mm -hmm. um, there was this one called The Fantastic Planet. It was French. Mm -hmm. And it was about like humans were basically pets and servants for like these alien overlords and these alien overlords would like transport their minds to a planet where they would have sex and then the humans oh managed to go to that planet and destroy and it's it's totally effed up you know um, what used to mess me a fire and ice oh my god right <laughs> that, that threw me for a loop um, another one uh last unicorn when i was a kid um, Last Unicorn was definitely one. But the other movie that really messed me up was this one. Um, it's Nausicaa's Valley of the Wind. Um, and it is uh, Studio Ghibli. And it is absolutely a fantastic movie. Um, if anyone has ever... No, it's not Heavy Metal, Fat Man Will. Uh, <laughs> it is a fantastic movie. And uh, I actually got a chance... When I grew up, I saw the like edited American version. And I finally got a chance to see the full version, the original studio. And it made way more sense than the American version did. Um, so, and the other two are just Polish movie posters. So there we go. Yeah. And I'm 
I know it sounds weird, but I'm still messed up by okay. Never Ending Story. One day oh, I'm gonna never ending story. Never. Oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I hated the fact that uh, what was that TV show, Stranger Things? They like turned yes. it into a joke. And yeah. The never ending story. I think you would agree was no joke. Like when the horse exactly. dies in that movie, um, or the big rock thing is just sitting and waiting for death to come. That was heavy shit for kids, right? Yeah. 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 Now they have Baby Einstein. I mean, when we were kids, they were just drop here, watch Never Ending Story. Yeah, Why is the yep. horse dying? Like, you know. Exactly. Brian, roll the finger. <laughs> Are we ready? Roll that beautiful finger footage. Roll it. Hello and welcome to another edition of Black Hills Information Security Talking About News. My name is John Strand, and in this edition, July 31st, 2023, we've got a handful of stories. We've got the SEC now requires companies to disclose cyber attacks in four days, which is roughly 395 days faster than they do now. New mm. open SSH vulnerability, top Russian security cyber executive sentenced to 14 years, which is better than falling out of a window. Ubuntu vulnerabilities, Minecraft vulnerabilities, and I would like to start today by talking about the Chinese doing what the Chinese do. And specifically, I want to talk about how Chinese malware could cut power to U.S. military businesses, businesses and homes, or a report claims they could, which means that crap's absolutely true. But I think that from there's Forbes, which, well, it's from Forbes. It is from Forbes, right? It is. And apparently this has been such an issue that it's actually been elevated to the White House situation room, which isn't just Ooh. a boring alternative to Wolf Blitzer's situation room. Kind of like <laughs> Normally that room, they just serve ice cream. Yeah. Just serve but, now, ice cream. but now it's been upgraded. Yeah. yeah. I, I, okay, so this is one of those articles that's incredibly vague. It's, it's maddening. What? It's like the Chinese have hacked lots of stuff and it's a ticking time bomb and it's showing up <laughs> and all these. There's it's like, okay, quote. what are the IOCs? What were the techniques that they used? And I, I, my take on this is that this is a slow burn that China's been doing this for a long time. There is no specific IOC to be able to track what they have done because they've been using any and all of the IOCs that they possibly could. I don't know. I wanted to get y'all's opinion on that. Um, because it really does seem like for years, China has just been ap absolutely open season against almost every aspect. Well, John, don't but, worry, because it uh, says here that some members of Congress, state governors, and utility companies have been briefed on the malware. So out of those three groups, briefed. one of them might understand the threat partially. Actually, we're going to get to a senator that kind of freaked me out a little bit in a good way. Um, Ooh, we'll talk about wow. that here in a second. But, oh, my. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean it like yeah, that, PSD. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. God, now people are going to think that I'm into, like, really old Saturdays and Pornhub. I don't need that, man. That's nasty. No. That's not my fetish, man. Just to be clear, BSD has a dirty, dirty mind. Wow. Um, <laughs> but what do we so you know my, my problem with this there's two problems i have with this is i feel like the entire industry is completely built upon the idea of signatures an attacker did these following things here's a signature in an av here's a signature in a sim here's an ioc here's the process mutex for this here's what you can do to detect this 
And part of what I'm getting out of this article is there isn't any. Like, this goes back to one of the things we've been saying on the show for a while. An advanced adversary is going to use any and all the techniques that are available to them to break into your network. It's not like there's going to be a cyber kill chain of 15 steps. And if you stop one of those, then you're going to stop the attackers. I, I think that they aren't putting out specific IOCs for this because this has been a long burn. And honestly, this is very similar to what the United States does. Like, the NSA, TAO, or Equation Group, whatever the hell they want to call themselves now, they don't restrict themselves to just a specific handful of vulnerabilities to gain access. They use any and all means to gain access to the specific targets that they're going after. And that makes defending that a lot more difficult. But I wanted to throw it over to you and kind of get your feelings on this. We need some technical details because it could just be like an SSL cert is expiring. <laughs> that could be the ticking time bomb like I, like you know what i mean like it, it's like i'm assuming it's supply chain related i'm assuming it's not like intrusion it's like if you purchase this model of this between these years of then it could be infected with a backdoor that they could use to shut it off or whatever but yeah technical details required you can't just be like hey there's some malware it could turn off some power plants all right cool situation room update <laughs> nothing has changed like it's just you know well, I, I think I think one of the telling things from the article itself, I mean, we, we all know that it's very difficult to defend. We all know that, and it, all they need is one small thing to get in. Number one, we all know that we also need to be better at detecting once they are inside. And that's not about IOCs. That is about looking at the big picture and looking at what what you know you're supposed to have on your network as opposed to what's actually going on to it. But reading through the article, the couple of things that pop out to me is, the first statement is the Biden administration believes China has installed malware. They're not even 100% certain. And then it says it's unknown whether the Chinese government is aware of this malware, and it's not clear how effective the malware would be. This really, <laughs> this whole article sounds like it's, it's a fine reporting there, Stu. It, it, um, honest, it sounds like us in the field sitting around in a bar drinking, going, ah, you know what they could do next? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's basically, basically what the situation like. room is like. That, that's that's how I imagine the situation room in my head. <laughs> okay, so who sent them a copy of Backdoors and Breaches? Mm. <laughs> I like they that. like there's a there's an email thread with Backdoors and Breaches, and they're like, "Oh my god, we just discovered a potential malware that could take down." Really <laughs> take this opportunity to make sure that you get your copy of Backdoors and Breaches. Be sure to check it out at spearfishgeneralstore.com. And you too can be as up to date, if not more up to date, than the current administration on the current Chinese attacks coming in. Mm. Um, yeah, I, 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 the thing that bothers me about this article also is that for those of us that are that are in uh, that are in it every day, like Mike is talking about, we're reading this like, yeah, of course, this makes sense. I mean, is this news newsworthy? And yet my phone's blowing up. I have customers and I have people that are like, oh my God, the Chinese are in everything. I'm like, they have been. <laughs> and not only that, not only have they been, I expected them to do that. And to be honest, if they weren't, like if the report was like, Chinese not able to break into anything in America, I'd be like, come on, Chinese. You could do better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we just talked about it last week. They're in people's email. If they're in the email, they're definitely in the power grids. I also love that they just confidently say, if attacked, power grids are restored power within a few days. Like, where'd you make that up? Like, <laughs> what is, is that the time it takes someone to drive a truck to all the switches? Like, who came up with this? <laughs> this is, and all joking aside, this is real, right? The Chinese are well, sitting. Well, it is for I don't know. Yeah. 
they're sitting in a bunch of infrastructure mm-hmm. because we totally would expect them to do that. Like we we would totally expect them to do that. And also this, you know, like Mike Mike was talking about, whenever you're trying to defend your network, it isn't just about signatures, right? It's about once again, just like Mike said, know what's normal and baselining what's in your network. You know, it, it's not an issue of just waiting for a big red button that tells you when things are wrong. I was in a focus group. I don't know if I talked about this in the previous show, let me know, but I was in this focus group and there was a bunch of different people in different industries and they were talking about what they wanted in computer security and like computer security training. And one of the quotes that really bothered me is someone in the training said, you know what, you know, John, you were talking about all kinds of core windows, core Linux, core networking, and understanding those core concepts of IT. And I need, I need you to understand, I just need my security team to understand what an alert means, understand the impact to an organization and how to react to that alert. They don't need to know Windows like basic internals, command line, Active Directory, Linux, and networking. And because it was a focus group, I couldn't just go, that is one of the dumbest string of sentences I've ever heard stitched together in this industry, but it is. But when we're looking at a lot of people, especially in America, they are absolutely focused on, I want a big red button. I want a signature. I want CISA to give me a bunch of IOCs. I want to go to the MITRE ATT&CK technique matrix. I want to string it together. I want to make sure that my SIM can detect these things. And then I want to go to bed at night. And it's not an issue of, you know, we really do have to know networking. We really do have to know Windows internals. We really do have to know Linux to be able to defend our networks properly. Everyone wants to just jump to the easy button that solves their computer security problems. Everybody wants it to be in default configuration also. So that way there's no thinking behind it here, put it into default and you're perfectly safe. I mean, you see all the marketing material saying that. Oh, we're, well, we're coming back to that. It's okay. I I, I just, what I do is every year I go to black hat, right? I walk the floor and every booth that says, uh, that it's unhackable. That's what I buy and it's good. And you're good. Yeah, make sure you pay your dues for your cyber insurance too. But I, I think the problem with that fundamentally, there's there's two perspectives to that. Number one, we have people coming directly into InfoSec that are not necessarily understanding the underlying they are jumping straight into a more senior security role. And I mean, I kind of did this myself 13 years ago. I transitioned from navigating submarines to assembling compliance documents. And then I became a system admin later. But promoting people up through the ranks that don't have system or network administration experience and then putting them in a sock and saying, okay, well, you're going to live and die by the alert. It's how quick that really seems to be kind of the problem to it. And I'm all for more people coming into industry and I'm all for empowering people to do so. But the other side of that is I think a lot of our executives, we've got some really good CISOs and CSOs in industry, but I'm also seeing a lot of times where InfoSec is falling under finance or you've got people who came up through the ranks of finance or even HR uh, landing themselves into security roles, not understanding what it's like to be at the ground floor of security. And and just like you said, Joe, I, I think, I mean, I want to just clarify, 
it is getting better. I mean, you and I have talked about this. Like if we go back 10, 15 years ago or 20, 23, whatever, it was way worse, right? I mean, at least now we're seeing a larger and larger percentage of organizations that have people that are in the CIS, uh, like the CTO role or the CISO role that actually do get it. They did come up through the trenches. They do understand why basics and fundamentals are important. So I don't want to be all like doom and gloom, not saying that that's what you said, but I just want to push on that point. It is getting better, right? I mean, I don't know everybody else, like your thoughts are, is it in fact getting better as far as management, understanding the risks a little better? A little bit. I think that it, we run into a problem that in a lot of cases that CISO level is reporting up to somebody that still doesn't understand it, at least in, com- in completeness. And there's still a communication gap there. Even though the CISO should be able to go ahead and talk business language, I think we're still working on getting that business language and our language to be compatible to some degree. Ooh, you I think really it depends on the company. On that. Hmm? What was that? Oh, I, I was okay. saying he hit something really hard on that because as an industry, we're getting better at speaking business as well. Uh, instead of focusing exclusively on speaking nerd, we're getting better at speaking business. But I think the major game changer for this might be having an InfoSec management course included in MBA curriculum and not uh, an MBA with focus in InfoSec or cyber policy. I mean, as part of a core MBA, you take financing, finance, you take accounting, you take marketing, you take InfoSec management so that you can understand that. Now that's we've seen that with a lot of fields. Like we've seen that happen with development where like secure coding is just part of a development degree now, like at least at good schools where it's not like before it was like, yeah, whatever, you know, just infosec will come and yell at you if you do something wrong. Now it's like, no, you need to do like DevSecOps, you need to like parameterize mm-hmm. your queries from the beginning. Like there's a little bit of security and a lot of non-security stuff now, and I think it's good. Honestly, as an attacker, it's a huge pain when non-security tools have security things integrated into them like you know basic uh rate limiting or things like that that are not really infosec things but when they're implemented they can give you a little bit more protection um so i think that's a good that's right on the mark yeah speaking of things that are learning and it's terrifying when they learn Uh um the uh, there's this um senator what was his name Ron Wyden out of Oregon. Oh. Um, Ooh, Oregon. Oh, Oregon. Coming Oregon. in here. Clearly, this person has been hanging out with Corey. We uh, have three so. people. <laughs> three people in Oregon. It's a so, small uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of take take a crack at the person that wrote this up for the register. Um, they're basically saying it victim blames Microsoft for Chinese hack. Um, <laughs> yeah. Brandon, uh, my friend, you didn't read what the senator wrote. Oh my God, it is incredibly well-written. And whenever I first like read this, I was like, oh, it's another politician that doesn't know anything at all about computer security. And it's going to be the internet is a series of tubes and you just can't dump everything into it. Mm-hmm. And there was some of the things that I, that I, you know, I read in the, in the actual letter and I'm going to pro- provide a link to the letter so everyone can go read it. Don't read the register's take on it because the register's take on it is wrong. Um, it is an incredibly well-written letter. Um, so basically, the way that the uh, the letter is written is kind of calling out CISA a little bit. And I don't, I couldn't quite figure out how in the hell he was going to tie Solar Winds back to Microsoft, but he did. 
-hmm. And the senator basically was kind of blaming Microsoft for the recent thing about keys and brings up some incredibly interesting points about the keys. Basically, Microsoft didn't even follow their own best practices. Now, I, I am going to kind of agree with the register on this. Like, If the senator honestly believes that Microsoft is going to honor their own best practices, that's a little bit naive. Uh, but they were talking about how this is something that's really important. It wasn't in a hardware security module or anything like that. That's kind of a little bit of a good point. Um, that may be difficult in virtualized environments, but that's neither here nor there. But there are some sections in this that I think that are really important, and I'm going to read some of them to you. Um, Microsoft never took responsibility for its role in SolarWinds hacking campaign. Now, that seems like a bit of a stretch to me, but it kind of ties together. Microsoft blamed federal agencies for not pushing to prioritize defending against the encryption uh, key theft technique used by Russia. Oh, holy hell. He understands the solar winds attack mm -hmm. and he's tying Microsoft for basically telling federal agencies that they have to watch out for what the solar winds attack was, which was literally a key encryption key theft technique that shows like levels and depths of understanding that many people in IT security do not understand. But basically said uh, Microsoft blamed federal agencies for not pushing it to prioritize defending against the encryption key theft used by Russians which Microsoft has known about this technique since 2017. Microsoft blamed its customers for not, for this goes back to what we just were talking about, blamed its customers for using default logging settings chosen by Microsoft, and then it blamed them for not storing high-value encryption keys in a hardware vault known as a hardware security module. So this is all really, really interesting because it shows that the senator understands. Like Microsoft was basically calling out the what was done in the solar winds attack. Microsoft told the government to look out for these types of attacks, and then itself got hit by the exact same attack. Further in this, it said Microsoft's customers heard the message: it's too hard to secure these keys on your own servers. So let Microsoft do it for you. In the three years since that high-profile hacking campaign, they're talking about solar winds, Microsoft's cloud security business revenues have ballooned to over $20 billion per year. So that was true. Microsoft was basically going to the government and was telling people in the government, the solar winds thing is crazy. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be developing on-prem solutions. You should be moving as much as you possibly can into the cloud. And then Microsoft gets hit with this attack as well. And then another quote that I thought was great, Microsoft pointed out after the SolarWinds incident, high-value encryption keys should be stored in an HSM. And then third, the encryption key used in this latest attack was created by Microsoft in 2016, and it expired in 2021. Federal cybersecurity guidelines, industry best practices, and Microsoft's own recommendations to customers dictate that encryption keys be refreshed more frequently for the very reason that they might become compromised. Once again, holy drop. crap, yeah. the Senate is learning, folks. Well, If anyone was wondering, uh, of the two Western states, uh, Oregon is not the one owned by Microsoft. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's Washington. That's the one. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, And then at the end, I want to wrap this up. Uh, when SolarWinds happened, CISA basically said that they were going to uh, pull together a review board. And that review board was going to analyze what happened at Solar Winds and make recommendations. That never happened. And that is a concern for the senator as well. 
So the senator then calls out Jenna Easterly and says, I urgently or I urge you to exercise your shared authority to direct the Cyber Safety Review Board to investigate this incident. In particular, the board should examine whether Microsoft store, stored the stolen encryption key in an HSM, a best practice recommended by the NSA and even by Microsoft, and if not, examine why Microsoft failed to follow its own security advice. The board should also examine why Microsoft's negligence was not discovered during external audits that are required to obtain certification for government's use under FedRAM. At that particular scenario, like the senator is basically pulling out big guns, basically saying, hey, Microsoft fills out all this paperwork for FedRAMP and fills out all this paperwork to be a government cloud provider. And then this stuff happens and it shows very clearly that Microsoft is not even following its own best practices. And further, that is a shot across the bow. If Microsoft is saying that it's doing that for FedRAMP, it's saying it's doing that to win very large government contracts, and it turns out that it's not, that basically puts the government in a situation, be it DOD or unclassified, just general civilian government, that they could actually start asking for funds back from Microsoft. Whether or not that would ever happen, I honestly doubt. But holy hell, this is an absolutely well-written letter. Um, and it was not like the, the way the register poo-pooed it and said that they were victim blaming. I did, once again, I don't think the register actually read this article at all. Um, but this absolutely hits like, you know, what is it? That one code, uh, send Wyden has some good quality staffers on it security. He hits hard on security and privacy pieces. And yes, this is a fantastically well-written piece. Yeah, so, I'm done dictating and I'm going to throw it to the group. What are your thoughts on this? Like, this is the most impressive thing I've seen come out of a Senator, uh, when it comes to computer security is in, uh, ever. So hopefully someone can fact check me on this. Cause I was trying to do it in the background, but I could have sworn that I, I would have sworn that that Wyden was previously had some sort of role or job in security because I vaguely remember a long time ago thinking to myself, I'm like, we've got a penetration tester in Congress. What? It's not him. It's not him. Who is it? I've, I've already done the background investigation on him. Okay. Uh, the TLDR on him is he went to high school in Palo Alto. Originally went to UCSB on a basketball scholarship. Transferred to Stanford. And has been in Senate since 1996. He used to teach uh, gerontology at several Oregon universities. Gotcha. Okay, so it's a different... Damn, Joe, you should have a class where you well, teach OSINT. Yeah. If Joe only you had know, a class, we could do open source intelligence on things and you know, people. If, if only I was going to teach a class at 6 p.m. tonight on that topic to get people ready for the Trace Labs event at DEF CON. Oh where my would God. I sign up for this? If only you could give us a link that we could share with our audience. Oh, man, where do I sign oh, up? Yeah, yeah. Totally. Let, yeah. let me open up Bitly and get it for you. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but I mean, th but even still, I think what was said was, was 100% correct, is that there are some staffers there that realize that he understands these topics and he has surrounded himself with staffers that can help distill that knowledge for him. You so, gotta pick a lane, yeah. you know? And yeah. The, the, yeah, like, it's a good lane to be in. I'm, I'm proud mm -hmm. of my senator somehow. I can't believe I just said that. How did that <laughs> oh, I, feel, I feel like I need to go, like, purge. Yeah. Ugh. I didn't know. Okay. Next. It's been so long since I've been proud of a government official that I, the That's feeling really is weird. weird and bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, uh, let's let's uh, bring feelings of Russian cybersecurity executives being sentenced to 14 years of in prison oh. for treason classic treason you got classic treason. 
Plastic. Not, not. Let's be honest. It's fourteen years in prison treason. Not dumping. But don't dump. worry. The trial was quite transparent. It was held behind closed doors. It always is. Which may or may not have been glass. I've been told. Mm. So this is the CEO of Ilya Sakov, uh, which is the founder of Group IB, which specializes in combating cyber attacks and online fraud, investigating high tech security crimes. Top Russian banks and companies, including state-run banks, are among the company's clients. Do you ever wonder if maybe that Shakov, like literally, the only thing he did was make virus total like permissions overly permissive and sharing the files um, out? Maybe I don't know. So, does anyone know what the person actually allegedly did, or is it like treason? It's right yeah, here. I know, but like treason could be like. You made us look bad by attributing the acts of Fuzzy Bear 12 to the Russians. high treason. Yeah, oh, but high treason oh, wait, is just when it's public. committed treason? Is that what that means? No. 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 That's a different kind of treason. Yes, That's treason under the influence. TUI. Treason. <laughs> so does, does i mean this article is very thin on details is there any like do we know what they did at like no. allegedly it's basically, saying, basically what they're saying is what is it state news agency task said that he allegedly had passed classified information to foreign spies okay so basically <clears throat> like why don't they just pre-publish the article now that says they fell out of a window because it's gonna happen <laughs> right? like, they haven't just sitting in WordPress, like, right yeah, here, like, yeah. <laughs> it's scheduled for publication. Scheduled. Yeah, I'm just gonna schedule. say, guys, y'all, there's a queue, and he's at the bottom of that queue. They'll get to him when they get to him. Customer mm -hmm. service, you, the girl from Ipanema. Um, mm -hmm. it's gonna take a while, but he'll get there. He'll get there. We'll find out that his, his prison cell he had a window and it was on like the 30th floor. Um, so. All joking aside, I feel bad for the dude and his family. But That's... if you went to Russian prison, at least you're not on the front lines in Ukraine. Oh, oh yeah, it is That's probably. Awesome. Is that did they That's... move the prison to Ukraine? Yes, yeah. yes. Let's be honest. Prison starts a bunch now. Of prisoners in Russia, <laughs> and they chose prison in Russia. We're going to the front lines in Ukraine. That's just oh. this is this is better. Yeah, it's probably gonna, very it's depressing. Like, oh, gonna this is horrible, but I choose life. Yes. The Reuters article actually gives a little bit more besides the uh, classified information. It, it basically is saying that he was arrested back in 2021, so this has been a couple of years now mm. before he was done that. He has not been involved really with Group IB, although he still owns a share in it um, for years. And Group IB cut this year's with its original market in in Russia. So, you think that there's it cut ties with 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 all that? You think with the way things have been going with Putin, he just somebody went ahead and flipped him off again? Probably. Yeah. What I'm picking up on the OSINT perspective of this would be that his conviction is the result of a uh, former uh, FSB cyber official that was also convicted of treason. Um, being this being in retaliation for him giving false tech testimony that led to the conviction, and they he is alleged to have provided information to Western intelligence agencies about the founder of another company who was arrested in Switzerland, and the company the other company is M13. Yeah, the only way you get arrested for um, hacking in Russia is by telling the U.S. government about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's that's probably a quote that's quotable. So, uh, Bronwyn threw in uh, something in here that I didn't know. So, defenestration is the act of throwing someone or something out of a window, which which begs the question and implies that fenestration is throwing someone into a window. Mm. Oh. So no? I would it be would that. it be fenestration and defenestration if you tried to throw somebody out of a closed window because you would be throwing them into the window first and then out? Yeah. Mm, so that's I mean, the other thing. question is: is it, can you say though. that you're going to go fenestrate windows? Ooh. Is that like a thing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm going to go fenestrate my laptop, guys. I'll be back. What if you're throwing oh, windows? Oh, oh, Corey, you can start getting into reports. Uh, defenestrated Windows Server twenty. Mm. So yeah. weirdly like enough, my sock socks with rock'em sock sock'em robots. <laughs> We've figured I, out. I, how I, we'll I got I got to defend Joe here for a second. You know, some mm -hmm. people are saying that Joe got the agenda before. No, no, Joe does this crap on the fly quickly. <laughs> First so, off, you say agenda is it's real and it's you know what you, you know what you should do just to prove him wrong. You should take his class and just be in yes. his chat the whole time, yes. watching yeah. him do it and being like, "You can't be doing that. You can't do that that fast." I mean, really possible. The ridiculous thing isn't to challenge that Joe did it that quickly. It's to think that we have an agenda or forethought. <laughs> <laughs> what a compliment, honestly. What a compliment. Yeah. You really think so highly of us. Oh, yeah. and by the way, um, to, to throw another bone out there, if you're not available, I'm also teaching a two-day OSINT mastery course as part of the Anti-Siphon uh, blue team summit as well uh, at the end of August. Uh, yeah. If you want the skills too, we'll get a link for that. People too. Ooh. But Andy, well, mind if I do. Black Hills Company. I heard they are amazing. I, I like this company. Very nice. My, people. my intelligence says the same thing, and I had better be rewarded with some t-shirts and swag next week. <laughs> yeah, they're okay. All right, well, hold on. I have I have terrible breaking news. It's not the year of the Linux desktop because oh, almost forty percent of Ubuntu users are vulnerable to a new privilege elevation. Two. There's two two separate ones. It's SSA. Two separate users. We're canceling it. We're actually pushing the the you know i thought it Linux was rce back to next year oh no remote code injection i, I was yeah, totally thinking it's the year of the linux desktop when when we were going over the uh stuff from the senator and windows but <laughs> I, i've learned to keep my mouth shut about that huh. thank god well, i run bsd all done, sir. All right, so, <laughs> so we have these two vulnerabilities. Their their CV um, SS score is seven point eight and seven point eight. So combined, um, that that's like that's above fifteen. That's like that's like this is that's not the first overlay bug. FS bug. There's yeah. been many many overlay FS privilege elevations over the years. Yeah. So, so, so. what is overlay FS like? What is its claim to fame? Like why why is it? It's I, as it's a so I mean I'm just gonna read the technical description off the news. It's an it's a union mount file system implementation, but targeted by threat actors. I think basically overlayfs is like uh, rootkit or on uh, rootkit uh, <laughs> ch rooting for like you know essentially the file system because you can't just have like ext4 on LVM without Whoa. overlayfs. Yeah, so it, I mean, it just mounts a bunch of different file systems into one uh, hierarchy structure, right? So um, you could have, you know, a, a couple different um, partitions. You bring them all together, and it looks like one union file system, right? I know it's union FS, but it's just like so you can have multiple disks, and they can all look as one drive together. So that's like the the basic high level concept. 
It's it's not just Ubuntu that uses it. I think yeah. almost every distro. Yeah. It's a very it's like the Prince Spooler of Linux. Yes. And there you go. It's kind of the naturally you know, bug I boy. on Twitter that were basically like, This is why we don't use Ubuntu. Okay. So okay, this is how I want to react to this. The difference between using Ubuntu and not yeah. using Ubuntu is in this case, your bug in your operating system hasn't been disclosed or fixed. <laughs> Agreed. And and from that same vein, I just saw a thing on uh, Twitter not too long ago about someone having found a bug and submitting it uh, through the proper CVE channels and what have you, and Red Hat being like, yeah, no, we're not doing anything with it because it's with CentOS, and it's like, Ouch. they were like, we only want to focus on Fedora. It's like, I had this conversation with someone the other day. They're like, oh, I like to use Fedora. I'm like, I won't use Fedora because it's a test mm -hmm. bed. That's it. If I'm using if I'm using Linux and I use Linux pretty heavily, but I tend to go strictly on a Raspberry Pi for we'll just say reasons. Take a class and you'll learn. Um, but <laughs> with Ubuntu, I mean you've got that unless you want to go into the BSD ecosystem. So I wait, mean if you want it's easy to use out of the box. Ubuntu if we only have a guy for that BSD. too. <laughs> uh, I, I I was throwing that but that bone over. <laughs> Catch that beautiful BFD. butterfly. BSD is just a beautiful system by design. <laughs> I have bad news. It also uses overlay FS, so yeah. someone's gonna have to go what? find that bug. Yeah. Oh, hey, I well, believe the good, the good thing about that is it is a beautiful system by design. I don't mm -hmm. know about BSD. That's all. Well, I mean, someone in the comments said, uh, "What was it? Go with what was the." Uh, Go, go with Red Star OS. I hear that they're pretty <laughs> Yes, also, if you find a privilege elevation in that, you get a free 14-year uh, conviction uh, for treason. <laughs> so I do want you I want you to go on Reddit and look at all of the different posts where people are like, which version of Linux should I use? And just constantly recommend Red Star OS. And let's see if we can actually get that to show up. And showed in like Red Star Trending. OS. Trending 0.01% of the internet. We did it, everybody. Um, that's what we're Remove the needle. You got a Reddit API key because I might have uh, a script to go ahead and do that automatically for us. Mm. I thought they shut down a bunch no, of yeah, they fresh shut out. Down. Yeah. yeah. That's why and, I said that. <laughs> whatever, so. Also, fresh yeah, out of my excrement API. Or I mean, yeah, Twitter, yeah. sorry. So, yeah, there's a good point in the. Because Mac, at least to some degree, is built off of BSD, so there's a chance that Apple may actually assist with that. Mm. Yeah. Um, so Mac uses the Mac uses BSD's um, network stack, TCP/IP stack. Everyone, um, so does Linux, but that's well, BSD. Yeah. yeah, but you know, it's just and 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 there's some remnants of BSD in the Mac kernel, but other than that, I mean, BSD still BSD still lives. I will still hold on to it to the day I die. Well, I'm I mean, here's, here's the reality. BSD has to live on in the InfoSec world because uh, PFSense and OpenSense run on BSD. Not anymore. So well, then, they're they're moving away from it. They're trying. Every everyone's trying to ditch it. Like TrueNAS ditched it, but we'll see. Do you know what it is too? Like in reality, it really doesn't matter what you use. And we talked about this earlier. As long as you understand how something works. You can make it do your bidding, right? Yeah. If you're an IP tables guy, you can you can lock it down to whatever your desire, your heart's desire. I can take an open BSD box. I don't need PF sense. I could just use just PF itself. 
use the pf.com vi is my guy right yeah and i can lock down a box literally yeah. with just plain old open bsd and pf you can do the same well, one on a mac as well too well let's 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 kind of go down this i mean we're, we got one more story that i want to get to but let's go down oh, this yeah. philosophical rabbit hole because there's two things right um i was talking about the uh the presentation the coming war on general purpose computing um can't remember who wrote that i've just brain farted his name um but really kind of going through you know the idea of moving to cloud computing in that that article by that senator you know microsoft and amazon and a bunch of the cloud vendors they're trying absolutely to break us away from that model of us building up our own computers, setting up our own stacks, running absolutely everything and running in the cloud. And then, you know, however they do key management is how the hell they do key management, whether or not that's right, wrong, or indifferent, it, never mind the man behind the curtain, right? Um, but the thing that bothers me about this is that balance, right? Is, you know, the actual technical geek in me hates the idea of the cloud. I, I've hated it forever. Like as soon as it came out, you know, shirts at somebody else's computer. I resonated with that at a deep personal level. That was weird. Um, but the reality of the situation is Microsoft and a lot of these vendors are right. The overwhelming majority of organizations, they absolutely do not have the technical skills to be able to manage their entire technological stack. And the cloud is more secure. Even though these vulnerabilities come out, the cloud is inherently more secure. So I really feel like I'm I'm horribly conflicted um, about this entire thing, right? Like, you know, we're talking about Raspberry Pis. Joe's talking about that. And I'm like, ooh, tell me more. If there was only a link that was dropped in the comments and where you can actually get Joe's class so you could find out about that, that is something that's really, really cool, right? I want to do that. That's awesome. But at the same time, whenever I'm talking to companies, they're like, well, we want to do our entire technology stack from the ground up. I'm like, mm, hell no. Uh, you really, really, really do not want to do that. So how in the hell do we balance this as being, you know, technologists and loving it as a hobby and then balancing that with like, no, you probably suck at IT. And I'm only saying that because everybody sucks at IT. It's better if we just let Microsoft, Amazon and them do that for us. So you're, you're well, I think, I think part of it is that, and we're starting to see that with what's gone on with Microsoft, with uh, the latest breaches, we see it with all the CVs is that, Reality is, even Microsoft sucks at IT. They're just better at masking it and making the majority feel better about it. I would say but, that yeah. you're basically making the case for CSOs because that is a spectrum of decisions that is made by someone who hopefully knows what they're doing. Like, uh, with the Microsoft thing, you know, we talked about, yes, there's flaws, yes, there's issues. Still better than on-prem exchange, still better than hosted exchange. And the biggest thing that's going to be a selling point for most customers is they aren't the ones who have to fix it. They're just like, hey, Microsoft, you're bad. And Microsoft is like, sorry. Like, it's not like, oh, we have to hire someone or we have to, all oh, crap, we have downtime or whatever. So, like, I do think it's a spectrum of decision making. Um, and not to be like the guy who's all cloud native and all that stuff, but there, are, it basically just depends to the solution. Like, manually locking down a box with pf is a great idea until you have to like integrate a threat feed and then you're like ah crap like it's just it's gonna break down eventually once you reach or like let's say you need to go 10 gig or 40 gig you're not gonna get pf to go 40 gig maybe oh well maybe you can i don't know i can't uh you know if you hit a certain rule set size so like i think it's just the, pick the right solution for the job it's like any other um you know it's like any other thing you don't maybe you need a torque wrench maybe you just need a hammer your call 
Yeah. Well, I mean, if you throw a torque wrench hard enough, it acts as a hammer. So you've got <laughs> exactly. <that as> well. <laughs> but, but to, also, to go with and that we've a talked bit. about it, we've talked about it on the show too. The narrative matters, right? You know, Microsoft had the access token issue, right? And a bunch of organizations got compromised. We aren't talking about any of those compromises at all on the show. We aren't going through and saying, you know, look at what happened to this. This is what got breached. These people made this mistake. The entire narrative and what the senator was talking about is about Microsoft screwing up. Microsoft took the responsibility for that narrative. So if you're a CISO and you're like, I want to go through and I want to build up our entire technology stack, fine, that's all good in the hood. But as soon as there's a vulnerability, you are taking responsibility for that entire stack. If it's in the cloud and there's a vulnerability, then the narrative becomes there's a vulnerability in the Microsoft technology stack. So like I said, it really sucks because philosophically, I want to be that you know sandal-wearing hippie out of California or Oregon, where all operating systems and all software is free. But the pragmatist in me is like, no, you really, really should be like, you should be going to the cloud. So you have something. The other thing we should talk about too, is that, you know, businesses, we were talking about this earlier too, because like we in security were like, oh, what about the security of this? Like all that matters to us sometimes, right? You get like this tunnel vision is about like, how secure is this? Well, you know, companies aren't moving to the cloud because they're like, oh man, we have this huge security threshold. No, they're moving for the cloud for all kinds of other reasons, right? Whether it be availability or just scale, right? Being able to spin up lots of things very quickly. Um, maybe they just don't want to pay for their IT department. They want someone else to have to worry about all of that, right? So I think a lot of this comes into this like cloud, whether we should or not. But something that's come to my uh, mind is that once you get all of that data there, like you can't leave hardly right like you're kind yeah. of like centralizing everything you're locked in, you're it, locked it, in. exactly in technical right. hotel california yes yep, yeah, exactly it's, it's, now, it's, uh, bpweb said i want to get some comments from some of the some of the audience and said i mean is it really though cloud providers try to deflect and avoid blame constantly they do absolutely i mean in their pr releases but as far as the narratives and what makes it in the news they can say that, but still the news article is Microsoft was compromised, right? Also, well, I think, I IT, think it's what IT team doesn't it try to deflect and avoid blame constantly? Has anyone seen an IT team that doesn't do the same thing? Like, well, this was actually the app devs problem, not ours. With Microsoft's uh, situation on this and them actually saying it is our fault, we screwed up. That now goes ahead and starts playing to the CEOs going, hey, wait a second, they're taking the blame, we're not taking the blame, our shareholders aren't going to get angry at us, we can now offshore this. It's actually a pretty savvy marketing move by Microsoft, if you think about it. Yeah, well, I mean, a company of that size, the Microsofts, Amazons, the Fangs of the world, they don't get that size without having a very strong PR team with a very strong message rooted in some level of social engineering. Right. I mean, there's some level of psyop associated with that in that they have to control the narrative. And when you're talking about a company the size of Microsoft or Amazon or any of the FANG companies, they have the personnel, the bandwidth and the capability to just bury any other. Any other narrative that is contrary to what they want. And the problem is when you're talking with a bunch of old out of touch senators, they're going to see what's on the top half above the fold. And that's going to be the part that Microsoft is able to influence and not just Microsoft, any large evil empire sized company. Yeah. And now they're going to have to go ahead and disclose this stuff 
within four days, according to the SEC. Oh, nice transition, oh, Mike. Oh, Fantastic so slam dunk. So, yeah, so according to the SEC, you now have to disclose your breaches within 40 days or four days. God, I said 40. Jeez. How in that? Like, what the hell is like, how is this enforceable? Can you what? tell in four days that you've been breached? Like, some people take months before they even are like, I think something's well, wrong. So, wait, Ian, I think, has about 400 disclosures he needs to make right now. Oh, God. <laughs> so, when this came up last week, it was fairly new. And it came up in, I think, one of the webcasts. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got to go read about that. So I did. And then I picked up my desk and I threw it at a wall and started screaming, you've done nothing. You've done nothing. By God, you've done nothing. <laughs> Because, uh, so what I'm looking at here, and I'm going to dump the press release, because we got the news article, but just so it's not like, I'm Ryan, I'm putting this in the private chat. So that's the sec.gov press release. This is from the horse's mouth, and I'm going to break this down with three points as to why this does nothing. It sounds great. I want to, it's all warm and fuzzy, but the first part, item 106 in this thing says, item 106 will require registrants to describe the Board of Directors' oversight of risks and cybersecurity threats and management's role and expertise in assessing these material risks. These disclosures will be required in the registrant's annual Form 10-K. So if you don't know what a Form 10-K is, that's what public companies file every year to tell investors how their year went, what their year's going to look like, how they're protecting their investment. No CISO or company CISO, however you want to say it, in their right mind, is going to give any level of detail that's going to inform any investor how well they're doing. Because if they do, that's all public record, and it's a gift to threat actors. This is how they think about risk. This is the exact tools and procedures they use. And without that, it does nothing for investors to determine how sturdy they are against a risk. The second issue is the word reasonable. They use the word reasonable in this. I'm trying to find exactly where they use it inside of here, but essentially it comes down to this. They say, once you reasonably know that you have been breached in a material impact way, right? So what is reasonable doing there? Good friends of mine who are lawyers have told me time and time again, reasonable is the most litigated word in courts. Because basically once lawyers get to the point where they can't you know, come to some sort of compromise, they say, well, we'll just use reasonable and then we'll fight it in a lawsuit because what's reasonable, same lawyer tells me, whatever I can convince a jury of, that's what's reasonable, yeah. right? Yeah. The last point as to why this will do nothing, and, and a few of the folks already brought it up, right? Which was within four days by whose determination, and they give a rule. It's called material impact. And again, for those who don't know what that is, materiality when an accounting firm reviews security, reviews controls, reviews whatever as part of uh, you know the regulations that came out of Enron and uh, Sarbanes-Oxley, those material points are things that basically, when you say something is material, it's something that will shift either the stock price, the uh, value of the company, previous guidance, it's Items that would do that. So a huge breach that costs like $100 million or something like that, that would be material, right? It would go through and impact the company that way. Here's the thing, though. I can already tell you what's going to happen. They're going to say, yeah, no, we were breached 120 days ago. 
And we've been investigating and we've been looking and we've been finding. And two days ago, we determined, yeah, this is going to be materially impacting. And so we reported it. <laughs> Those three things make this worthless. There are lawyers literally rewriting the definitions of things so they can take as long as they want to support to meet the well, SEC guidance. It's ridiculous. You you bring up some things that I have actually encountered in previous lives that would probably be beneficial here. Number mm -hmm. one, I think we're going to see two things. Uh, I perceive this getting redacted because of the OSINT perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, if you do OSINT on a publicly traded company and you don't touch the 10K form or the 8K or any of the other forms, you're doing it wrong. Right. In a past life, I worked with a client that was dealing with mergers and acquisitions. And when we wrote their report, we had to print the report, put it in a locking banking bag and mail it to them. We weren't allowed to talk to them via email. We weren't allowed to digitally transmit the forms. And they put everything under attorney-client privilege so that it would not have to be disclosed. So what that's also probably going to afford is an ability for organizations to put things under attorney-client privilege, uh, make it privileged and confidential so that they can, whether it, they can fully get away with not disclosing it, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. But that may be a tactic that they could potentially use to delay even further. So if anyone is wondering, there's actually already an index fund created of companies that have been breached. It's called the S&P 500. Oh, yeah. Good one. Good one. It's a good that payoff. Beautiful. That was beautiful. <laughs> if you're if you're wondering how this is going to impact the, all the 1099Ks or whatever they're called, 10Ks, <laughs> that's how. Yeah. Those papers with Ks and letters. Uh... Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, the, the, the whole thing is, is patently absurd. And what's funny is you can tell just reading this that someone sat down at the SEC and was like, all right, we're going to use the power of the SEC and we're going to create cybersecurity regulations that these people have to follow because they're publicly traded. And after like 30 months of committee, uh, this is what came out. And it's 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 worthless. It's absolutely well. So yeah. I, before you say the SEC is worthless, I'd like to remind no, no, no. you that this if thing. you look into well, hold on, because if if you look into the SEC, they actually investigated Bernie Madoff three times and thought he was clean before his whole Ponzi scheme. <laughs> so true. Yeah. I mean, just say they have an amazing history of really sussing out real risks to the financial industry. Take them away, toys. Uh, uh, maybe I mean, maybe Madoff had good lawyers. Yeah. Well, I mean, Probably to be did. fair. Madoff committed the cardinal sin of financial fraud, and that is stealing rich people's money. Mm -hmm. take poor people. yeah. Always take poor well, persons. I mean, thinking about a 10K form, you know, just for mm. a smaller sized publicly traded company, you're talking a minimum of 40, if not up to over 100 pages. They can simply bury this as one single sentence yep. and be done with it and just use vague language. Uh, very similar to what we see in terms and conditions now. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you, so I would put it, seriously, I would put it in every single one of my filings. People, so, always, right? <laughs> that's pretty funny. So, okay, people in the chat are asking, you know, did cybersecurity professionals partake in the regulations? So we don't know. But one thing I can tell you is I have never met any cybersecurity professional that wishes there was more red tape around breach disclosures. Yeah. That's just yeah. not a thing. 
no one wants more red tape, more regulations when it comes to breach disclosures. What it comes down to is right now, companies have a due diligence they feel they need to fulfill. And a lot of the time, the bureaucracy, the red tape, the regulations are the thing that's preventing them from telling you to change your password, that your information has been disclosed. More red tape, more bureaucracy, more legal proceedings that slows down the process even more. It puts more consumers at risk. That's why I think I would guess most cybersecurity people are going to be against this just as a concept. But that's just my take. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. I want to step back. I'm not against it. I'm pro anything where a big regulatory body at least takes a stab at moving the needle in the right direction. They just didn't accomplish anything here in my mind. <laughs> it's good that they're trying. You did it. You're trying. You did it. Wow. You get a participation trophy. Mm, everyone gets one. You tried, buddy. All right. John's so idea of just putting putting good breach disclosure on every time. <laughs> just do it. We've been breached every quarter. It's like it's we've been breached. Well. We don't have any. And it, we don't just take the stock hit up front and just be like, no, yeah, just, we don't yeah. know anything. We don't we know anything about it. We just know we were breached. Multiple cybersecurity incidents. The investigations are still ongoing. All operations have continued, and no production has uh, been stalled. So for the low fee of zero dollars, you can too listen to this podcast and your CISO can make the same decision as John. I mean, <laughs> there you go. You would love John to end on never be uh, a publicly traded company. Ever. Yeah. So kind of a fun thought to end on a uh, uh, red team wrangler uh, saw some of my, my posts over the weekend and made a little sticker. I don't think he's having it printed for DEF CON, but uh, it was akin to the California cancer warning and it was, but it was sec uh, regulation 105 and it's the federal government recognizes this product may contain threats that cause breaches or something like that <laughs> and i was like yeah it's about that effective absolutely yeah exactly oh man yeah that's a great example of how not to do it talk about alert fatigue and all that like it's like oh so everyone's breached so no one's breached all right cool moving on all the stock prices are the same like, like the I incredibles when everybody's yeah. breached no, no one will be yes exactly <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Good All luck. right. Thank you so much, y'all, for joining. Let's put a wrap on it. Monday. Whew. Am I right, guys? Take Joe's class. We did it. Take Joe's Take class. Joe's class. Joe's an awesome, <laughs> OSINT class. Please get on it. It's awesome. So with that, Ryan, take us out.